you guys, you guys know my heart if you've been here for any length of time. I um, really believe, I want, a desire, hope that this place is a place of honor, where we honor what is honorable, and we recognize what is, uh, needs to be recognized. And so I just want to go a little bit further than what Jim did, and I want to recognize a man of God and woman of God in the house this morning, Pastor Darren and Terry Faison. Guys, stand up, please. Thank you. I try not to cry because uh, you guys being here is so significant. And you honor us by being here this morning. And uh, what you guys being, and I didn't solicit them being here, but uh, you guys being here, uh, it's just an answer to prayer. And uh, this week I was at a conference in Chicago on reconciliation and and the name of the conference was called Better Together, and it's so true that we are better together. But one of the things that um, they mentioned in the message that, that I saw happen this morning is one of the signs of the kingdom is diversity. A sign, because we know that in Revelation it says that every tongue, tribe, and nation are represented at the throne. And uh, so as many different uh, backgrounds that are here this morning, that is a sign of the kingdom. That's a sign of the kingdom, and it should not be overlooked. And so I'm just grateful. I'm glad that you guys are here this morning. And uh, put us a good review on Facebook afterwards. <laughs> you got to keep it light. You got to keep it light. So Thanksgiving's just around the corner. I want to ask you a question really quickly. You don't have to answer out loud. But what's the best gift you've ever gotten? What's the best gift that you've ever gotten? Now, some of you are going to go hyper-spiritual, but you don't have to do that in this moment because we're not going to say it out loud. Jesus is the best gift, right? That's, well, you can, you can just uh, hang on to that because that's true for all of us. But the best gift that you've ever gotten, and why was it the best gift? Why was it the best gift? Was it uh, you know, something that you really, really wanted? Uh, whenever I watch with, uh, the Disney Channel with my three-year-old now, everything she wants Everything, every commercial comes on. I want that. I want that. I want that. Man, I love how she's not ashamed to say I want that. <laughs> Man, could we be that way before God? I want that. I want that, you know. But uh, the best gift that you've ever gotten. Now, just take that and turn it over. What's the, and I'll just say it, what's the worst gift that you've ever gotten? What's the worst gift that you've ever gotten? Now, some of you will be attending what they call uh, white elephant Christmas parties, office parties, those types of things. And, and that's sort of the, the idea of it all. You get together with friends, maybe coworkers, family members, and the idea is to come up with the funniest gift or the strangest gift or, or something like that. And maybe you could think about that, a gift that maybe wasn't as helpful. And usually you put those things in your closet to give them away the next year at another white elephant gift party. But I would say that the best gift, if I were just to guess, the best gift that you've ever gotten is something that you really wanted, was really useful. Um, I do believe that some of the best gifts that you've ever, you'll ever get are handmade. Um, handmade from someone because you can just tell the time and the energy and the effort that was put into that gift. If you've ever gotten a macaroni necklace from a, uh, from a toddler, you could say amen. Because macaroni necklaces are the best. They're the best, right? Because of the th thoughtfulness that went in there. The worst gift might be something that, you know, just, just wasn't, wasn't very uh, uh, thoughtful at all. It just wasn't very much thought put into it. It didn't, didn't really even consider. Or maybe just something completely different than, 
than what would be something that you would want or desire or something that you would need or perhaps a, a towel that was monogrammed with the wrong initials on it. <laughs> Maybe you got something like that. This morning I want to talk about a gift, but I want to talk about it in a, in, a, in a way that we don't always think about this particular gift, and it's, it's the gift of thanksgiving, the gift of, of giving thanks, and I believe it's a gift from our Heavenly Father. I think it's uh, one of the most important gifts that we can have, but we don't always think about thanksgiving as being a gift. We don't always think that way. We can easily slip into the mindset of thanksgiving being a day on a calendar and a holiday that you get some time off from work for, or perhaps maybe a little bit more intimate or endearing, you're going to have family members coming over and you're going to watch the Cowboys win. So that's <laughs> that, that happens, see, almost every year. By the way, you, do you know, for those sports fans out there, for you, if you're not a sports fan, just tune me out for just a second, but come back, okay? The team that's played on Thanksgiving Day, the NFL team that's played Thanksgiving Day the longest is? Who said the Lions? Yeah, Detroit Lions. Good job. They started playing, I think, in 1934 on Thanksgiving Day. So, yeah, there you go. So, all right, now come back, you non-sports fans. Come back. Let's get back together. Let's get back together. I want to talk about the gift of Thanksgiving. I want to talk about um, how important it is to give thanks. And as the slide shows, the actual power of giving thanks, the power of giving thanks. So if you have a Bible, you wouldn't mind turning with me. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, book of Psalms, chapter eight, book of Psalms, chapter eight. I will have the words on the screen behind me after we change this awesome slide. But we're going to talk about Thanksgiving this morning and how it's a gift and what the implications of that gift are as we actually use it. That's one of the things that I, I, I failed to mention to say it's uh, gifts are actually useful. Uh, good gifts are useful. Something that you actually can use, not something that might get stored in a drawer only to be thought of, you know, a few years later. Like Marie mentioned this morning so, uh, so rightly about the, uh, the gift of, of being able to have utilities on in our homes. And, uh, and I can tell you that one of the best gifts that I ever gave my teenage son was an ice scraper. Because those things are pretty useful. And you're about to find out here in a <laughs> couple weeks how useful those things are, especially if you park your car outside. Yeah, I see him out there, and he's got an old CD case, and he's, <laughs> and I said, you know what? My boy needs that high scraper. Oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks. All right, so good. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. It's a praise from David, and it says this, and I, I'll read the whole chapter, so just uh, follow along with me. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set glory in the heavens. And through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them. Somebody say crowned. crowned. So you've been crowned with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. 
Thank you so much that we can be here this morning to gather together to hear your word said out loud, God, which is so important. I thank you for every person here. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would raise our expectations of what you might do today. And no matter what condition that we came in, God, you are here. And you accepted us with open arms right in that place. But Lord, it would be a tragedy if we left in the same place that we came in this morning. So God, touch our hearts. Let your kingdom come in this place. Thank you that we've already seen a sign of your kingdom through just uh, uh, different people coming this morning to worship and, and with different ideas and thoughts. And God is so good. Thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So follow along with me, if you will, not just in Scripture, but on the uh, little sermon outline that was in the essentials kit that we gave you just a few minutes ago. But following along with that, I just want you to, to just uh, grab a hold of this. Thanksgiving, the gift of Thanksgiving, what it actually does in our lives. When we use the gift, when we use the gift that God's given us, the benefit in our life is that, first of all, Thanksgiving provides perspective. Thanksgiving provides perspective. I love this psalm. It's a, great, it's a great psalm because, first off, David just starts off, busts out in praise. God, God, how majestic is your name? How awesome is your name? That's a great way to start praise. That's a great way to start Thanksgiving. And then he goes through and just declares the things that he sees that, he, that has happened. When I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars... Who am I, some of your translations will say, who am I? If you did all of those things, God, and yet you still thought about me when you created me, who am I? That's a great place to start. It provides perspective. God created all of these things and yet still thought about me as he created me. A great exercise, follower of Jesus, is to go outside at night and just look up. Go outside at night and, look, and just look up. You can do it a little earlier now for those of you who are not night birds. You can go outside about 4.30 in the afternoon and start to see stars. I don't know about this time change stuff. But you can go out and you can see the stars. Just recently, we saw what, what astrologists or, or scientists called a supermoon. How many of you saw the supermoon? How many of you just went outside and said, wow. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, it was that I guess the moon was was so much clearer and it seemed so much closer than it had in, I, I guess, decades. And and I wouldn't claim to be an expert on that because I usually sleep at night. So I did not see much of the super moon. But I did like, did anybody see the meme, just as a side note, where it said, if you didn't see the super moon, put a tortilla on the window. I said, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I like that. I did like that. That has nothing to do with what I want to say, but <laughs> it's true. So if you didn't see the supermoon, you can still see it. Right? Just go put a big old tortilla right on the window and stand back and look at it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But when you look at the stars, when you just get out and look at the stars, when you can see the moon, what do you think? What do you think? Some of the things that come into your mind are, man, that's awesome. That's beautiful. That's amazing. And then when you think about it through the lens of a creator, who the Bible says in Genesis basically hung those stars, like pretty soon some of you are going to start hanging Christmas ornaments, and that's, a, that's kind of an idea about that, that the Lord hung the stars in, in the skies. 
that he put those there on purpose. And again, the writer of Psalms says, wow, you did all of those things and you thought about me. Listen, that leads us to thanksgiving. That leads us to thanksgiving. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, as we're talking about Thanksgiving, one of the things that I'm going to say this morning and, and a word, couple of words that might be interchangeable and, and you might hear me say them, so I don't want to kind of throw those off because I'm going to move back and forth uh, because they're, they're absolutely related. Thanksgiving is also praise. Thanksgiving can turn into praise, but also worship, but also worship. And they're, they're very closely related and I, I may interchange those and so when we're talking about thanksgiving an aspect or a way to worship is giving thanks you're giving thanks and that word worship is an important word for us we don't we talk about it a lot but we don't define it a lot i talk about worship and, and this is matt's definition so you you can take it for what it's worth but my definition for worship is devotion that requires sacrifice you see, it's not specific to God because it is true that you can worship something or someone other than God. But it's that devotion that ultimately requires sacrifice. I might have even gone so far, I'm still playing it out, as demands sacrifice. But it certainly requires sacrifice because you can worship lots of things. Lots of things. And you end up sacrificing time and money and and, and lots of things in order to give focus or devotion or attention to those things. But when we use it in thanksgiving and we use it in relation to God, we worship you, God. We're going to make uh, sacrifice in our devotion to you. You sacrificed this morning to be here. You had to sacrifice time in preparation. You had to sacrifice time in thinking about what you might wear. You had to sacrifice time in brushing your teeth and and all of those sorts of things. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't much of a sacrifice, but well, it was a sacrifice, and so it communicates devotion to the one who created us. So that, that's my definition of worship. But here's an interesting thing. I just want to do a little teaching this morning on the word worship. If you went to look at the Hebrew language for the word worship, okay, which is the, the original language of the Bible in the Old Testament written in Hebrew, if you looked at the Hebrew for the word worship, the English, if you then translated it back into English, which is important for us to go back to English, the English word for the Hebrew word worship is prostrate. It's prostrate, which means to lie down, to be flat. I just want you to think about that for just a moment. To worship God is to lie down is to lower myself in His presence, in honor, in honor, to lower myself as He is high and recognizing that He is high and He's above all things. I stoop low in honor. I lower myself in honor. It's also, here's also another intended way to look at that particular word, prostrate, meaning to lie flat. It means that I am... Uh, symbolically returning to the dust from which I was created. So that's what I'm doing in worship. I'm entering in and I'm symbolically saying, God, you created all of this and yet you formed me out of the dirt and you breathed life into me through your Holy Spirit. 
That's that's worship, guys. That's worship. Yes. Now, from that position, God then raises us up. But that's where we begin. That's where we begin. That's a right perspective. That's that's communicating thanksgiving. Sometimes I know I can I can come off the wrong way in worship and I and I come up to God and I'm like, what? What? Why? What? And I know that that puts me in a difficult position to hear and receive from God because he is worthy of me humbling myself in front of him and then allowing him to raise me up. That's worship. That's thanksgiving. And what that really does is give me perspective. It gives me perspective. Thanksgiving provides perspective. It's so important. It's so important because what it reminds me in worship is that God is so much bigger than anything I might face. God is so much bigger than the problem that I'm going through. One of the the first things that go in the midst of difficult circumstances is perspective. That's one of the very first things to go, perspective. Oh no! It's always going to be this way. We use words like always or never or, or, you know, in those words, if you know anything about uh, marriage, those words are not helpful. (laughs) In relationship, there we go, somebody said amen. Whoever said that, the spouse should be listening. But that, one of those things, that's, that perspective is one of the first things to go. We get in difficult circumstances. Man, it's overwhelming. And I'm not saying that your circumstances aren't difficult. I'm not saying that it doesn't feel overwhelming. I'm just saying to you this morning that God's bigger. And worship provides that perspective when I look around and look and see that all that God's created And I see that, and then I look at myself, and I go, wow. Wow. Which moves me right into thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The second blank there on your outline, the benefit of the gift of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving actually releases power. Say power. Power. Releases power into your life. If thanksgiving gives me perspective, it also gives me right thinking. It also gives me right thinking, which would sound like this, that if God created all of that and yet thought still about me and created me, then he must have good in his heart towards me and he wants good for me, right? So that brings about right thinking. It aligns me, Thanksgiving aligns me with God and his way of thinking. This alignment is critical, it's absolutely critical. And I just want you to think for just a moment of like a, a conduit or, or a pipe that, that has some material passing through that. Could be water, could be, you know, could be a variety of things. But just think about this conduit delivering the water or the pipe delivering the water. If something is out of line there, then it's not going to get delivered correctly. It's not going to get delivered very well. It's the same thing when I'm aligned with God's thinking. and I'm aligned with God's heart, which Thanksgiving takes me to that place. Then he, he's able to pour out into my life. He's able to release power into my life because we got a good connection. Thanksgiving gives me a good connection. Now, I don't remember in West Texas growing up with hard water. I don't remember that. 
But I know what hard water is now, <laughs> living in Rolla, Missouri. The term, if you're not familiar with that, hard water describes water that has minerals in it that are hard on the appliances because of the residue that gets left. And some of you ladies might say, well, I guess some guys might say this too. There's diff- you know, it's not so much fun washing your hair with the hard water. Is that right or is it the other way around? Somebody tell me so I'm not, I don't sound so stupid right now. Huh? The hard water's bad for washing your hair? Okay, good. There you go. There you go. Whew. Thank God you have a pastor that you don't mind saving. Rescuing in the midst of it because I know that I'm turning red. So, hard water's tough on your appliances, right? It's tough on, on your sinks. It's tough on your, your faucets. What does it do? Is that residue builds up in there. The water slows down. The water begins to kind of just trickle out. The water, uh, you know, you have less hot water in your water heater. And it has to work harder because all of the residue that builds up in there. So I, I didn't, I'm not sure that I grew up with hard water, but I know that I know it now. And I have it now. And I ran across a miracle product. Throw it up there. I got ran across this miracle product. There you go. If you have hard water, you need to get to know this particular project, product, CLR, man, it works really well, it works really well, I'm glad for scientists that create that kind of stuff, and chemists, and all of the other people that create that kind of stuff, but you may be saying right now, all right, we're talking about Thanksgiving, we're talking about hard water, we're talking about CLR, you know, what, what in the world does that have to do with me, you guys ask such good questions. You guys ask such good questions. Here's, here's the thing. Complaining acts just like that hard water, that residue that builds up inside the pipes and the connections. Complaining are those hard minerals that build up in our soul and in our spirit that as God is pouring through us, it's just a trickle. You know, you step in the shower and you got so much buildup on the shower head that just trickle coming through there. Listen, as I was preparing for this message, I thought about that. And I thought about, you know, just having that little trickle of water coming out of the shower and how we can actually get used to that. We actually get used to that and that, that actually sort of becomes the norm. And then the enemy of our hearts and our souls kind of gets in there and he twists it and he actually says, not only are you used to it, but that's what you deserve. That's what you are worth, a trickle. And I, want, I just want to say to you this morning that you are not worth that. You are worth so much more than that. You are worth the waterfall of God's power and blessing and grace in your life. So much more, the Bible says, than you would be able to hold or contain. But if we're going to receive that, we've got to look and say, do we need a little spiritual CLR this morning? Do we need a little spiritual CLR this morning? And you know, I, I, you know, none of that, if, if there's any guilt that comes through what I say, you, know, you can just automatically say that's the enemy, because that's how the enemy works. Because we get in this spot where we're complaining, and when we're confronted by our complaining, we go, oh, man, that doesn't feel very good. And then I start to feel guilty. That's the enemy. Because Scripture's clear. It says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I want to pour out so much into you. I want to release so much into you, so much blessing so much power into you but we got to get these pipes cleaned up a little bit we got to get these pipes cleaned up a little bit 
So we got to look at that and we got to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I have. I, I have a tendency to complain. I have, I have a tendency to look at my circumstances and, and rather than being able to have a perspective that says you are still at work, I'm saying, man, this needs to get better. And it comes out as complaint. And so one of the things that uh, I figured out that you can do, and you need to do with this product, going back to CLR, is if you took off the shower head, if you unscrewed it, and you poured the CLR in a bucket, and then you just took the shower head and you put it in the CLR for like half an hour, an hour, you soak it in that, man, that stuff just falls off. It just dissolves. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying when you soak in the presence of God, that stuff begins to fall off. That crusty stuff begins to just fall off. That crusty attitude just kind of starts falling off. Cleans up those pipes, cleans up those connections, and God is saying, yep, that's it. Right there. I want to pour out. I can pour out into that. I can pour out into that. And I don't even have time this morning to go into the power of spoken word. I don't, man, I don't even have time for that, but the Bible just talks about how the, the tongue has the ability to set on fire a whole forest. How there's power of life and death in the tongue. In my words, I have the ability to speak life. I have the ability to speak death into my own life and into the life of others. And the gift of thanksgiving says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's turn that around. Let's turn that around, follower of Jesus. And instead of just thinking about Thanksgiving as being a day, let's make it a lifestyle. Let's make it a lifestyle. Finally, last blank there on your outline, Thanksgiving. And this is going to sort of tag on to what I've already said a little bit. So it might feel a bit redundant, but it is important. Thanksgiving positions me to receive God's best. It positions me. It aligns me. We've already talked about worship being prostrate, being laying low, humbling myself. We've talked about how we might need some spiritual CLR to kind of clean off those crusty places that complaining forms in our lives. I just want to think for just a moment about what it looks like when you give a gift to an unthankful person. I want you to think for just a moment. Have you ever given a gift to someone who was not thankful? Now, I'm not talking about at Christmas time when you give gifts to the kids and they'd rather play in the box. That's not the same thing. That's not, but you do learn something. You, don't you? You learn something. Yeah. You learn. Next year, you're getting a box. But when you give a gift to an unthankful person and, and you can see sort of the... the, the posture of their heart you can kind of see as they're receiving that how they're you know just eh, you know kind of indifferent about it uh, they might want to be kind to you but they're pretty indifferent about the gift what do, you, what do you think about that what do you think about that they just they just sort of don't even really acknowledge it they might, might unwrap it they might look in the bag and just sort of set it aside and you know what do you think about that you go huh it might hurt a little bit it might hurt a little bit, especially if you put some time and energy and money into that. If you've sacrificed to make that gift or to make that gift available, it might sting a little bit, right? It might sting a little bit. Certainly the next time you go to give that person a gift, you're going to remember that experience. And if it was a thoughtful gift, okay, let's, 
let's say that it was a thoughtful gift. It wasn't a gag gift. It was something that you really meant for the other person to enjoy, to experience, to, to like, to love. Um, you know, you're going to remember that experience next time. If you can relate to that experience, which I think that we all could, I want you to think about something for a moment. Every one of us were made in the image of God. We were all made in the image of God. The feelings that you have, God gave you. The feelings that you have, God gave you. So you might be able to understand, or you might be able to say, if I felt that way when somebody gave, I gave someone a gift, and they looked at the gift and were indifferent about the gift and just set the gift aside, and then just sort of moved on without acknowledging it much, if that might hurt me just a little bit, I want you to think for just a moment how God might feel about that. How God might feel about that when he gives a gift to his children, when he gives a gift to his kids, and it comes straight from his heart. And we go, hmm, that's kind of nice, but doesn't mean much. The gift of thanksgiving is something that he's giving us, but I know that I don't take advantage of it. Now, the difference is that God notices those things without sin, right? So let's, let's not get that twisted. That God notices that without sin, where you and I might get offended, we might move into judge mode, judgment mode, God does not. But He does notice. He does notice. And I believe that He forces Himself to reserve His giving fully until we're more ready. I believe Scripture bears that out. That he forces himself. I say that that way on purpose because it's God's desire to pour out. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So it's his heart, it's desire to just bless you, to just spoil you, to just lavish. That's what scripture says. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That's his heart, that's his desire. But how many of you parents know that spoiling your kids isn't always what's best for them? Well, you jumped on that one. <laughs> and so God, I believe, forces himself to reserve his giving until we are more ready. And what shows that we are, we are more ready is thanksgiving, but also how we use the gifts that he gives us. Because we've talked about a lot that God gives us gift, gifts not just for us to hoard, but for us to use to bless others. Even our own lives, but certainly thanksgiving. Man, when you live a life of thanksgiving and you profess thanksgiving, it has a profound effect on your environment. Things begin to change. People begin to gravitate towards you. You know. You know it's true. You could probably identify the person that's not always positive. That's a challenge. And sometimes you've got to sort of muster up the energy to get around them. Don't be that person. Don't be that don't be that. It positions us. Thanksgiving positions us. You see, God is an intentional God. He is intentional. The Bible is full of talk of investment. God invests. He understands investment. Thanksgiving, living a life of thanksgiving, being a person who gives thanks, tells God that I'm a good investment for more. I'm a good investment. Lord, you can trust me. You can give me more. More what? More power. 
more resources, more influence. God can release those things because he can trust me to use them for the kingdom. That's the way that works. That's the way that works. When we're asking for more, but at the same breath, complaining about what we have, God's saying, you're handcuffing me, Matt. You're stopping me from being able to give you more because you can't be thankful for what you have. You can't be thankful for what you have. Listen, Thanksgiving is a gift. And God has given it to us. And there is power in Thanksgiving. There is power in Thanksgiving. And when we use it, it gives us perspective. It releases power and positions me to receive God's best. Amen? So I want to just really quickly, as the worship team comes on out. <laughs> That's the knock, right? Sometimes the monitor doesn't always work. But as the worship team comes out, I just, I just want to real quickly talk for just a moment. Just I will, just a moment, about uh, the difficulties in... Uh, it's okay, come on. The difficulty, yeah. <laughs> the difficulties of the holidays. Okay, real quickly, real quickly. I know that this time of year, it, it can be especially difficult. I know that. I know that um, getting together with friends and family um, who might think differently than you, who might uh, have a different idea about life than you do, can be hard. I know that the holidays can remind us of loss if we've lost a loved one. I know that. I know that. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. I think it's important to say, you know what? God is here, and he is with you in that. And he is with you in that. And when we overlook that, we just sort of blow past that. And the Bible is very clear when it says, mourn with those who mourn. And so, stay connected. Stay connected. And remember those. Even in joy, even in uh, just feeling on top of the world because you got your family around you and your kids around you or or whatever makes you feel that joy, just please remember that there are people that are hurting during this time also. And be willing and open for them. Let's pray.